Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 169th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts Cameron Albert alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today Kyle? I'm doing great Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, we posted some exclusive Patreon content today. That was pretty fun to record. Um, so little plug to our uh, Patreon page. Patreon, it's right off the bat. Patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. It was right, right on the top of my mind. So I wanted to let the folks know about it. Um, we talked a little bit about would we choose mizzou fandom on somebody yeah but essentially yeah like we talked about if we could go back in time would we do it again and if we were basically starting a new fan from scratch today would we have them be a mizzou fan and we did all the other sports as well yep so something to think about if you want to check that out patreon.com slash missouri sports pod but today kyle we've got of course, it is a crossover season, so we've got basketball and football to talk about. We're going to go ahead and get the bad out of the way first, and the bad is basketball. And it's not even bad. It's horrific. It's terrible. It's There's, tragic. Yeah. So I have a couple questions for you. Okay. Answer them in any, any order you feel. Okay. Am I a fool? Yes. Are we fools? Have we been fooled? Those um, are my questions to you. <laughs> Just like in general, like a, like, are you a fool? Like in in life, or well, like I think you're a pretty smart guy. Well, then, in reference to Missouri basketball and what is happening currently, I, I, actually, yeah, I think we, I think we have been. I, I think I would, I think I could say that. Um, we're just going to jump right into it here. Um, yeah. Mizzou lost to UMKC, KC, Kansas City, whatever they are. Like, a team that doesn't even have their own arena. Uh, they got blown off their own home court. Worst loss in the history of Mizzou basketball. I, I'm willing to say that. Um, I think we've been fooled a little bit. Cameron, I, I expected this team to not be very good. I, we, we've, we've, we, we predicted them to win not very many games this year. Um but what I thought we were going to see was a team that, at, at the very least, played hard, played good defense, dove on the ground for loose balls. You know, kind of the, the, I don't even know, the blue collar team, whatever sure. you want to call it, the junkyard yeah. dog kind of guys. Like, yeah. that, may not always be pretty, but yes, the effort's going to be there. Exactly, the preparation's going to be there. That was so far from what we saw earlier this week against you. I'm just going to call them UMKC. Uh, maybe they've earned what are they kansas city university of missouri kansas city yeah okay um missouri is awful offensively they we knew they probably would be they're going to be all season long but what was just as disappointing though was how bad they were defensively in this game which is what i just didn't see coming right and maybe that's just like this conzo martin thing that i maybe that's where we've been fooled is you know, Conzo Martin teams are always good defensively and all this stuff. And like that hasn't been true for a while. And it definitely isn't going to be true this year unless they figure something out. Yeah. I mean, the defense has not generally been the issue on the teams that aren't so great under Conzo. Um, last year was actually 
the first time that we saw in the advanced metrics the defense be worse than the offense, believe it or not. Um, if you look at Ken Palm today, Missouri is 116th, which is much worse than in any other point in defense un- under Consumer. One 116 overall. Oh, okay. Um, 113 on offense, 139 on defense. So, yeah. I mean, and that- it, just for reference, um, Kim Anderson, Missouri Tigers overall in Kim Palm, 192, 159, 156. Missouri Tigers sitting right now at 116 and with a really good opportunity to drop lower if they don't perform well tonight against um, 300-plus ranked Northern Illinois. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I never thought we would return to these dark of days where we're in a crater that seems like comparable to what we were with Kim Anderson. Um, Those are almost like unspeakable days that i'm almost surprised they exist well and, let me uh, and here we are let me let me drop you a, drop a statistic yeah, on you real quick i was looking at kim palm uh their rankings and stuff go all the way back to 2002 and so from 2002 through the 2014 season mizzou basketball was a combined 56 and 0 in non-conference games against kim against teams ranked 200 or higher worse in Kempom, 56 and 0. In the combined Kim Anderson, Conzo Martin era, which, first of all, the fact that I can say that is a thing, uh, Missouri Tigers are 24 and 4. So Kim Anderson lost to uh, 251 UMKC by 8 at home, 247 Eastern Illinois by 3 at home. Conzo Martin lost to 313 Charleston Southern by eight and 262 UMKC by 14. Two losses objectively worse than anything we saw under Kim Anderson. Yeah, I don't even, I, I just can't even process like how bad that is. And the the peaks and the valleys of the Conzo Martin era have been so strange. Like we've made the tournament twice. Yeah. Um, it's like we made the tournament last year, but I still feel like it was almost a disappointing season. It was so weird. Because the high point in the season came in, exactly. the, very, in the middle. Yeah. So. Um, and then, yeah, just the two of the worst losses maybe ever in Mizzou basketball history in the last, in the, in the Conzo Martin era. Yeah. So Charleston Southern was two seasons ago. And what's weird about that, like that team worse loss than anything under Kim Anderson was a better team than any of the Kim Anderson teams. They beat Illinois two weeks later and then beat Florida at the beginning of uh, near the beginning of conference play. So this season, we're probably going to see this basketball team beat a team they shouldn't beat. Yeah. And not, not like uh, another, you know, triple digit Kim Palm team. We're probably going to see them upset, like legitimately upset a team or two. Well, I think when you have a stagnant offense that has a tendency to go a long time without scoring a field goal in a game, uh, I, I think that that opens the door for terrible losses. And I feel like that's what happened the other night. I mean, well, I mean, we'll talk about the defense, but the offense was so, so bad. I mean, just guys I, I, that standing was, that around. Was, it wasn't a stretch either. It was the whole game, I feel like. Yeah. I mean. They're just cold for the whole game. 
guys um, just driving in, taking bad shots, like taking bad threes, no movement. Uh, Jordan Wilmore just is, was existing. Non-factor, <laughs> complete non-factor. Like this is a this is a weird situation. Obviously, we are well, we are grown adults in our leisure watching college students play basketball for fun. They are under a lot of pressure. We could not do the things athletically that they can do. And it's weird to be like negative about a college player's performance on the court, but it's on the coaching. I see it more on the coaching staff of putting a player like Jordan Wilmore in a position to simply not succeed. And this is not the first player that this coaching staff has done that with. And he's outmatched out there and it's not his fault. No, I think we could make an entire episode <clears throat> solely based on Conzo's like recruiting decisions and like yeah. questioning, questioning his like uh, player evaluation uh, abilities. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. We shouldn't get mad at the individual players. I mean, they're trying their best most of the time. It's really on the coaching staff at this point that it's just like, we're watching the same movie over and over again yeah. of players uh, underperforming, doing well, other places coming to Missouri sucking and then going somewhere else and being good again right like what what's the common denominator here yeah and uh i know there's a lot of variables when you're talking about general general statements like that but um i i just i think this coaching staff is just really disappointing right now and uh i think there's there's been plenty of conzo hate online and you know i feel like we're probably one of the last people to kind of turn on conzo martin but at this point like how could you not be at least mildly disappointed with what's going on yeah i mean it sucks because obviously we we always want every mizzou coach to do well like it's it's insane when you see fans of a team like actively want the coach to fail so that you can move on like can you can you just acknowledge that it'd be cool if they succeeded yeah that'd be fine this has been a weird year for the really radical people online that call for job calling for people's jobs constantly calling for the backup quarterback uh all that stuff like that's this has been been their year that has been the year for those people (laughs) because it happened with steve wilkes well it turns out he was awful like most of the year and we'll get to that maybe things might be turning around a little bit yeah you know the backup quarterback it turned out connor Bazelak has been pretty disappointing yeah konza martin the worst of the three probably at this yeah. point like those it's 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 the year for those people but um the the umkc game um they never umkc never went on a run they just were better start to finish i mean i think they led maybe the entire game i think they may have I, and it was their largest lead was 22 it felt over pretty early yeah like if there was if if they were if Missouri was playing any other team that was like you know not if you I didn't know that they were playing a bad team I'd been like oh well it was over you know after 12 minutes I watched some of this game unfortunately I watched (laughs) well the first time I watched it I was watching on a phone and uh, all that stuff Um, but I watched it back today and honestly my takeaway from watching it again was it could have been a lot worse somehow uh, because Missouri was just having these defensive breakdowns where they weren't switching, they weren't rotating right, and guys were wide open, like, for threes and on the inside, like, just getting 
screened out of the play completely and the UMKC just missed a lot of shots at the beginning it was, it was especially bad in the first half yeah they were not taking advantage of Missouri's defensive mistakes and in the second half they did right and it could have been a lot worse yeah overall UMKC shot the ball quite well um they shot 11 for 23 from three so 48 percent but um you know, one of their their second leading scorer, Nesbitt, had 20 points. He was 0 for 3 from 3. And um, six of their makes were from Gilliard. I mean, and, and uh, Conzo talked about after the game how, like, uh, the team was allowing him to go left when they specifically talked about he wants to go left, make him go right. And he said something like, I told the guys I don't have enough timeouts to stop that every time it starts happening. Like, I don't know. That doesn't seem, there's, uh, the preparation just didn't seem like it was there. And you're talking about, yeah, so your your takeaway rewatching was the defensive struggles in the first half and how it could have been worse. I completely agree. I said early on, you know, luckily uh, UMKC is missing some open threes. Um, and I said, Missouri's getting nothing defensively from the point guard spot. And it's very concerning. And that's like, I can't imagine Conzo being okay with that, but what's he going to do? Like Boogie Coleman is a really good offensive player, but, and you don't know this till you see him play a full game or two. He doesn't have it defensively that you almost are going to have to hide him, I think, on the other team's worst offensive player. Now, luckily, he's versatile enough, like, size-wise that he ought to be able to do something against maybe, like, a bigger, slower guy. But he was late closing out. He was late on rotations. Um, Anton Brookshire, when he comes into the game, is a bit lost defensively as well. So when you have – sometimes both of those guys were, in the, were on the court at the same time. And with Jordan Wilmore's like mobility issues and not being able to get out uh, to close out on anybody or switch anything, that's a disaster. Um, and then even some of the good defenders that they can switch everything would get confused on a switch and yeah. leave a guy wide open. Yeah, you certainly hope that maybe these are things they can work out. I don't know. I don't know that it makes that much of a difference this season, but... Yeah, I mean, almost every possession, it just looked like somebody was confused, somebody was in the wrong spot, somebody was, like, directing somebody else. It was usually Kobe Brown was yeah. telling somebody where to be, and I don't know. And Kobe Brown was, like, playing point guard because, yeah. like, we don't – I mean, you know, I really felt – I asked you last week, did Javon Pickett take a step? And I think we both were, like, generally yes. And But maybe we kind of have ignored the fact that it's a terrible sign that he's our best player. Yeah. And that seemed to kind of come to the surface more this week. Yeah, and just in this game, we saw the offense grind to a halt, break down, not be able to do anything. And then we were, like I'm saying we, like as Mizzou basketball coaching staff and everybody, they were just okay with like, yeah, I guess I guess Kobe, yeah, just go do something. Because there was multiple possessions where he brought the ball up, didn't make a pass, and missed a shot one a three one a layup which i guess if you're gonna those are the shots to take but desperation mode yeah 
And that's like so alarming. That's the opposite. Like use the rest of this game to figure something out offensively. Don't just be like, all right, we got nothing. Figure it out by yourself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the question everybody wants to know the answer to is can Conzo Martin be fired? And uh, the short answer is probably not this season. But <clears throat> nothing's impossible. But I believe his contract is publicly available. So would you like to take us through that a little bit? Yeah, I was about to say, lucky, lucky enough, uh, if you go to mutigers.com, you can find a PDF of Conzo Martin's contract, public university. This PDF of, even. Wow, that's yeah, really nice. You can download it if you want. <laughs> Print it. Uh, or just look at it on your computer, or you can just listen to me talk about it, because that's what I'm about to do. Uh, so we're looking at uh, termination by the university without cause. So if, you know, being a bad coach and getting fired is termination without cause. Well, I would say that was, that loss was uh, worthy of cause. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe so. <laughs> I don't think the lawyers would see it that way, but. Um, so I'll try to go through this in a way that makes sense but basically um, I'm going to kind of just skim through this the university shall not have the right to terminate this contract without cause before April 30th 2020 okay well we're already past that so that's not a problem um, and if they had done that let's say the end of this year then they would owe Conzo Martin one million dollars well, that's not a big deal right so we could cover that pretty easily however there's a clause that if the men's basketball team wins 20 or more games or goes to the ncaa tournament in his first year in any of the first three seasons mm. then the university shall not have the right to terminate the contract without cause until after april 30th 2021 Okay, well, we're already past that, but it changes the buyouts and the damages that would have to be paid to Conzo Martin in the event of a firing. And at that point, at the end of this season, he would have to be paid $3 million. However, there's yet another clause that if the men's basketball team uh, where is it? If the men's basketball team in any other season goes to the NCAA tournament, it gets extended out another year, and then the damages change again if he gets fired after April 30th, 2022. So for all intents and purposes, the end of this basketball season, the buyout is $6 million. So that's basically where we're at, is if Missouri was to fire Conzo Martin at the end of the season, $6 million buyout, which if you're not familiar with finances in college sports, that's a humongous buyout. And also, I will say that if they fired him after, you know, at May 1st, that's well beyond most of the movement in the coaching carousel happens. So that's just probably not realistic. You're not probably firing. That's why the dates are so important. And that's why they set them where they are yeah. is May 1st is late. That's yeah. way late. And most college coaches that you would want to hire are already taken up at that point. And so you're looking at the scraps. 
Well, think about the end of Kim Anderson's tenure. I mean, they had... They fired him quick. It, it, before the season was even over, everybody understood what was happening. Yes. They could... Like be, in March. Yeah, they could already begin looking at other options. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So it almost feels like it's got to be the end of next season before they can realistically do that unless they want to come up with i mean what would it if they fired him right now how much would the buyout be i mean they can they even do that i don't even know they they technically can't so i guess he would be able to like sue the university and get a lot more than that so that they really can't um they are they are locked up and even after next season we're still at may 1st 2023 three million dollars it's not nothing. This was an unbelievably just uh, negligent contract, in my opinion. It like, was. It was. I feel like it was coming from a place of desperation, though. It was, and that's partly Kim Anderson's fault. Yeah. That's part of the reason why we're still here, contract-wise, because we were so desperate to dig ourselves out of the hole we were in. We had to pitch this job to somebody that we felt like was did Mike Alden a, a hired big, Kim a, Anderson. Yes. Or did or was it Mac Rhodes? Uh, it was Mike Alden, I'm fairly certain. But somebody could definitely check yeah. us on that. Correct us if we're wrong. Um, yeah, so it w- obviously, yeah, we had to impress Conza Martin, who was clearly somebody we were targeting with this incentive-laden contract that was going to last a long time. And uh, so that was appealing. I mean, clearly, it seemed like there must have been somebody else that we were kind of battling for Conza Martin with, or else I don't know that we would have needed to go, you know, bend over backwards this far with yeah. this kind of contract because this was, I mean, he, coming in when he started at Missouri he was already like a top 10 paid coach in college basketball he was up there with like Bill Self and Roy Williams just because of this unbelievable contract which is something that I feel like Missouri hasn't really historically done no like back up the Brinks truck well and and it was kind of that kind of happened towards it wasn't the very beginning of it but towards the beginning of the SEC kind of basically all at the same time realizing they wanted to care about basketball and investing in head coaches because after Konza was hired like SEC coaches were getting fired left and right and schools were upgrading their their head coach like all the time and I don't I I don't know if Missouri kind of started that trend or um of some of these kind of like middling programs just, just being like hiring like really legendary coaches yeah and just kind of a lot trying to take a swing and and you know like a school like Ole Miss or somebody mm-hmm. like that had decent success for a football school you know playing basketball in the SEC to just kind of be like yeah not good enough we're gonna try to upgrade and yeah. like every school just went and did that yeah um I will note this is kind of an interesting thing that Conzo Martin has never actually been fired as a coach before um, so he started off at Missouri State, and I will say that we live in Springfield. I'm pretty aware of what's going on with Missouri State sports. I went to a lot of those games at, at Missouri State when he was there. Um, I'll just come out and say I feel like Conzo Martin knew he was probably leaving the year he did. He They were really good. They had, they had some great players. Um, they won the Missouri Valley regular season. Um, and he did virtually no recruiting whatsoever. He had like one guy signed who was kind of a local kid. And uh, I feel like he kind of knew he was on, he was about to upgrade. He was out the door. Uh, he did not get fired from Tennessee. He chose to go to Cal. He left Cal to come to Missouri. He was never fired from any of those spots. Um, 
do you think that this is potentially a situation where he could see the writing on the wall and, and decide to leave before they fire him? Um, I'm going to say no, unless the situation just got so bad that he like, if he was like being honest with himself, felt like it was just going to keep getting worse. That contract is, is pretty lucrative. Yeah. And, and where's he going to go without turning this back around a little bit without like going to another NCAA tournament at Missouri? I mean, he could do kind of like a Frank Haith situation and be like, I'll just go to this, uh, program that's in a little bit better shape, but is a mid major and, um, I can just kind of seek refuge there for a yeah, while and I'll just, you know, win, you know, 15 to 20 games a year and everything will be fine. Well, you mentioned, uh, what is it? 1.5 million that he would have to pay if he were yeah. to leave. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, if he were to go to whatever, some mid-major school, they would probably have to take on that 1.5 million, but that's yeah. a lot different than his buyout. If he's to be fired, those yeah. figures are pretty different. Right. But is, uh, you know, I don't know. Is, is, uh, I mean, think about like, think about Missouri state. Now this is never going to happen, but we can kind of just use them as a comparison tool. Um, let's say, you know, Dana Ford moves on to a better job and Missouri State's like, oh, you know, maybe uh, we could try to get Conzo Martin away from Mizzou before it all burns down. Um, <laughs> We're already there. Are, they're not going to want to pay that for a coach who's not having success to get him away from his better program. Most likely not. So those are the kind of things that I think will keep mean, him here. All of that leads up to and plus this rebuild that we're that we have now undertaken this season um you know one senior leaving this off season um, top, top 100 recruit coming in yeah all of that stuff leads me to believe we need to strap in and be looking at we need to be looking at this full season non-negotiable yeah and potentially all of next year too comp- like at this point i would probably expect this full season and potentially all of next season as well like just because of how that contract was structured that's where we're at and maybe this team figures out how to be decent this year there's no way they're truly as bad as they were monday night against umkc I don't think we're going to see that kind of performance every game this year, but I mean, there's no way they're having like a good year though. I mean, yeah. Um, this is, I feel like we already get a little bit nerdy talking about like Kim Palm ratings and stuff, but there's another website that we've talked about before called barttorvik.com. And it's really fun for like playing around with uh, potential NCAA tournament seedings and stuff. And you can kind of keep track of using advanced metrics where your team sits compared to the NCAA tournament field. And like what teams might get what seed coming up in the tournament and uh first of all no need to look at that this season obviously (laughs) but just out of curiosity i wanted to go see kind of like where they had the tournament field slated as of today obviously super early but i saw some familiar faces in the kind of the top seeds um kansas uh teams that are on missouri schedule this year kansas projected one seed um illinois projected two seed um 
Tennessee was right up there, protected seed. Um, Arkansas was slated to make the field. And just for kicks, I scrolled down to I scrolled. I kept scrolling, kept scrolling to see where Missouri was. Uh, they're projected 157 spots outside <laughs> of the NCAA tournament bubble. This this type of loss, like you can't realistically now Come even even this. internally as a coaching staff, you can't even entertain the idea of making an NCAA tournament. I feel like every coach says, you know, if you had to really, you know, they might say like, I oh, just focus on going one and zero every game or whatever. But every coach's goal every season is to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's it's gone now. It's, it's nope. Yeah, fans weren't thinking that really this year. No, but it's just like, especially it's just college basketball fans in general. It's so much more fun when your team is good. There's it's so much more fun to at least to, being a bubble team to watch the rest of the games, to watch the SEC games, and just because Mizzou is involved in it and all these things affect Mizzou's placement and and the bubble talk and all that stuff. But it's over so quickly. Like I mean, we barely even previewed these games. These are sub two hundred and fifty. Ken Palm teams like yeah. we barely even like gave a thought to uh, Missouri even being in these games because they have enough talent and they should be playing good enough defense to where it does not matter yeah and the you know the advanced metrics say they win these games yeah 90 to 95 times out of 100 exactly and so here we are the season is uh, essentially dead in, in the hopes of some kind of postseason play and that's just a little bit uh, a little bit debilitating so Listen to listen to our podcast every uh, the rest of the basketball season, please. Uh, join us as we try to figure out what's going to happen, um, what players might get better. So, speaking of the players, there was a lineup, a little bit of a rotation that I kind of thought was okay. Basically, it was like, who's not able to produce anything at all? Let's get them off the floor. Remove them. And then what do we have? Yeah. And I came up with um, Boogie Coleman, uh, Amari Davis, Dejuan Gordon, Pickett, DeGray, Kobe Brown. That's six people? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm saying there's six guys that I feel- When we play six guys at the same time, we're that's when we do the best. <laughs> like, oh, okay, Cam, that's really good. Uh, no, what I'm trying to say is- our two returning starters and the four transfers like upperclassmen transfers yeah yeah that's all we've got that's the only like meaningful players that can yeah. provide anything right now i would love for i mean the ship has sailed on jordan wilmore i mean two games in we know what's there there's nothing there it's just too yeah it's just too far away there's just no production yeah um brookshire seems like the next most likely but he's got a uh, long way to go yeah he hasn't found his range yet um, he still seems he has to play defense. Yeah, he he still seems uh for a guy who's touted as being able to make threes, he still seems nervous to take shots at this level, which is understandable yeah. for a freshman. Right. Not writing him off at all. Yeah, uh, but I'm talking about for this season. What do we have? And um, the staff doesn't seem t- to want to give Sean Gordon any minutes. Yeah, he came um, in with like two minutes left in this game. Yeah, because of uh Coleman's injury and yeah nothing going on have we on heard there. anything about him by the way is he gonna play tonight he was on the bench uh at the end of the game let me see if there's any new news but I, I haven't seen anything at all i don't think there's been anything come out i th- 
Uh, they might hold him out just as a precaution, but I think he's fine. I don't it think there's anything. It seems like if it was something bad, we yeah. would have heard about it. It was just uh, a rolled ankle, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, none of the other freshmen seem like they're ready to contribute anything at all. I still feel like this team can be a little bit more what we hope to see. Like, I still feel like there's going to be there can be elements of of good defense and, and and effort and playing hard and all that stuff, but. It just wasn't there at all against UMKC. It was it was there more so against Central Michigan in the first game. I know they can they can beat somebody. You know Central Michigan's a terrible team, but they can beat somebody, and hopefully they can beat Northern Illinois. Oh, Northern Illinois. Um, Northern Illinois in their first game of the season went on the road and beat a Power Five team in Washington. Well, good. Maybe that will give the Missouri guys a reason to uh, feel like they have to play better. Like, yeah. oh, wow, this team can beat people. Washington's not good. Uh, you know, triple-digit yeah. Kimpom team. Yeah. They're not a great Power 5 opponent. Uh, but for, you know, a 300-level team in Northern Illinois to go beat them, that is pretty impressive for that program. Um, they did get absolutely destroyed by a good Indiana team after that. Uh, but they're going to look at this Missouri game and be like, hey, we did it against Washington. We know we can do it. So... Mm-hmm. Let's just yep. go do it again. And Missouri should be thinking, we know we can lose to anybody. Yep. So let's Which they should have been thinking that beforehand, yep. but now they've seen it. Right. And you can kind of see, I, and this is just my opinion, but I think you can kind of see how the coaching staff views their prospects for the upcoming season based on what they schedule in non-conference. This is this I could be wrong here. This is just anecdotal, but I think when you see more than two 300 level Kempom teams on the non-conference slate, that means the coaching staff wants to get some guys experience and to rack up some easy wins. That could also be just a balance this year because we had so we had some tough games on schedule this year, so maybe they just wanted to balance out some of the Kansas and Illinois and Yeah. But when a, I feel like when a coach knows, is confident in what they have and really yeah. wants to challenge them and wants to harden them for, you know, the stretch yeah. run. Could be true. They they throw some meteor opponents in there. Or they, they just... Paul Quinn, college, yeah. like that. Paul Quinn, that is a good example of... That's like NAIA, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Non-D1. And we still play uh, Eastern Illinois, which is... Outside of Paul Quinn. You're kidding me. We still play Eastern Illinois. We got to play all these teams that like beat us in the Kim Anderson era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these revenge games right. where we were losing them a <laughs> yeah. second time. Yeah. Who, whose idea Who was that? Who's doing this? <laughs> Why? Just might as well just schedule Norfolk State. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, should, uh, we, should we try and move on? I guess. Um, is there any well, – what's the light at the end of the tunnel here? I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know because it's like as a fan, of course, I'm never gonna root against Missouri. I mean, I'm never gonna root that Missouri sucks so that we can fire the coach. I know some people have that point of view, and that's fine. You can do whatever you want, but just because of the nature of this contract that we talked about and, and the fact that he's just most and like 99 out of 100 times, I don't think he's going anywhere for probably two more seasons. You might as well just hope for the best. We, we've got a, we've got a that top 100 player coming in next year. I guess I, I, I don't. I re, there's not a lot to look forward to. There's not a lot of hope in, in the, especially in the near future. But uh, maybe they can figure out something, put something together this year, and we'll, 
win a few games. The timing was weird for this one. You, listener, will be hearing this after uh, the Northern Illinois game. Right. Can is you over. imagine if they lose that game too? I mean, it would just be. I mean, it just. The, I don't. I'm even sure that the outlook changes at all if they lose yeah. to Northern Illinois. It's just that's where we are. I mean, we're, if we're they if they lose to Northern Illinois, there's going to need to be like a like a GoFundMe, like an intervention, a, a GoFundMe set up for the buyout. <laughs> That probably already exists in private circles somewhere. That's probably true. Well, it's probably the goal's been reached. I'm sure. <laughs> that's that. It definitely would be like in the next 24 hours if they lose to Northern Illinois. Yeah. Um, Northern Illinois, not a good team, believe it or not. Um, their offense is especially bad. Tell me if you've heard that before. Yeah, last. I heard that with uh, UMKC. Yeah. Um, they scored 49 points in a loss to Indiana. But Indiana's good. Missouri's not. So anything can happen, apparently. Let's see some kind of improvement on defense. Let's not give up 80 points. Let's see some a little bit crisper rotations. Make a shot, someone. Somebody make a shot. Let's see. I say let's see a trimmed down lineup. Let's see, you know, six guys play the majority of the minutes. And then um, Brookshire's going to get some run. I guess throw Dura Gordon out there to give somebody a rest. Don't need to see one more, I don't think. You're going to be in shape this year. Gosh. Fun times. Fun oh, times yeah. for Mizzou basketball. Yeah, I think that's the most we've ever gone in on anybody on this podcast. And some people would say that we that get we were, were too, late. We were too late. Yeah, they're they're going to say, welcome to the party. And probably that we went easy on them. Probably. All right. That's basketball for you. We ready to talk about football? I'm, re- I'm definitely ready. <laughs> All right. Football. This is the positive yeah, yeah. portion of this podcast. Um, Things are trending up yeah. a little bit. Mizzou football beat South Carolina 31 to 28. Um, the defense. I'm, let's just jump right into talking about the defense. They um, gave us reason to be a little bit more optimistic after the Georgia game. I had not. I wasn't sold personally. Um, I thought South Carolina's got some good running backs. They don't have a good offensive line, but Missouri's tackling issues, gap issues, South Carolina's going to run all over us. Mm-hmm. They absolutely did the opposite of that. Yeah. Missouri's defense held South Carolina to 57 rushing yards. Now, caveat, if you don't count quarterback sacks, 107 yards to just the running backs, which... Which is considering that's pretty much all they want to do, that's still pretty good. Yeah. Sign me up for 100-ish yards yeah. to the running backs. Yeah. Including uh, sacks, that's 1.6 yards per rush. Right. That's really good. Yeah. And obviously, like I said, South Carolina has a pretty awful offensive line um they kind of they hold on every play they have to or else more bad stuff would happen uh in the sack department so um it was really good to see you know a team having a bad offensive line doesn't necessarily mean that missouri's defensive line is going to go off but it It hasn't always meant that right it was really good to see the defensive line take advantage especially without makai wingo in the lineup yeah uh i have no i really don't have any idea what happened uh, over the last you know two or three weeks but maybe uh the players have just kind of had a light bulb moment where they figured out um how to play in this defensive scheme of the steve wilkes scheme i mean he's there was a change uh defensive line coach obviously yes. <clears throat> but steve wilkes said the the scheme did not change right. uh, just the players have figured out uh, their gap responsibilities they figured out how to lean on each other and kind of know their role and and do their job and 
uh, I mean, I guess I guess I'm buying that. I guess I'm buying that maybe the guys have figured it out, and now that they've kind of taken a step, they're they're having fun now. Now we were led to believe that the defense was picking up the scheme well in the preseason. That's true, and that it looked like you know that was not going to be an issue. That's true, but I mean, when do you hear anything different? Like yeah, the, the yeah the 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 guys are sucking at picking up the scheme. They don't know what they're doing. They're we'll getting, see if we they, can get it together before gonna, the end of the season. They're going to give up 600 yards to Tennessee probably in a few weeks. But other than that, everything's great. Yeah, you're right. But no, yeah. I, I mean we're seeing a little bit more we've, honesty we've now. We've been fooled before. I think, I think we can. I think the staff is like, <laughs> oh, really? Now, now, really? They're getting the scheme now. <laughs> like, obviously, like, believe us, please. <laughs> um, Make the call right now. Yeah, is Steve Wilkes the defensive coordinator at this time next year absolutely okay easy or easy okay yeah great i hope you're right i think uh uh, now i said i hadn't bought into their improved defense before the south carolina game i but now you're all i'm not all in (laughs) calm down (laughs) um i'm ready to believe that they are improving oh i definitely think so i mean holy cow the defense was the worst thing i've ever seen in my life like A month and a half ago yeah so they've i mean they 100 percent have, have improved um can I they keep it up i hope so i think they will be able to keep up a marked uh improvement yeah it's uh, undeni- over the beginning of the season it's undeniable that they have figured something out at least a little bit um i want to spotlight chris abrams drain he I, i've mentioned before how he will really be a solid piece if he obviously keeps the explosive good plays Mm -hmm. in his game and eliminates some of the really bad mistakes and he has already done that a bit this season um he's been a bright spot recently yeah um really a playmaker on defense yeah he's been awesome and not necessarily a guy that i looked at at the beginning of the season like preseason to um shoulder too much of the defensive load no uh another guy that's borderline shocked me is chad bailey Mm. Uh, he didn't, I mean, he was nowhere to be found before the season started. Yeah. Kind of a guy that was a pretty highly rated recruit. And we just, he was kind of injured, was buried on the depth chart his whole time here. But man, he has been a spark uh, ever since he's kind of come in and started playing uh, maybe a month ago or so. He's been great. Everybody's better when the, when the scheme works. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But uh, the guys are tackling better too. That's definitely true i just think it's uh you know whenever you're out there and you don't really understand what you're supposed to you know maybe you don't fully grasp the scheme you don't understand what the guy next to you is supposed to be doing you're thinking a lot um you're you just caught you, off guard sometimes yeah, by play, what the offense is doing you play slower when you're when you're thinking and you're overthinking hesitating yes and you're just like kind of unsure where, where you're supposed to be i think just all those things were contributing to the missed tackles they're just they were uncomfortable just generally uncomfortable and once you know where you're supposed to be and you're confident, I think that's just been a big change. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I I hope we continue to see it. Um, I've been impressed. It just changes the entire season whenever we can rely on the defense to actually make stops. It just is, oh, wow, it's like this is amazing. <laughs> this, is, this is why football is fun to watch. It could have looked uh, even better. I think because South Carolina was able to convert some third downs early on in the game. That was like, Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. It still felt like Mizzou dominated most of the game, except for some, some weird turnovers at the, at the end of the game that kind of made it close. But 
or yardage wise and and really for the most part it felt like missouri was a lot better than south carolina for the most part yeah one of south carolina's touchdowns came on like a third and eight where the quarterback escaped the pocket he was in trouble but then he found the guy uh in the end zone and it was a nice play yeah it was just pretty well executed play by the quarterback i can't be too angry at the defense on the, on a play like that yeah it was just mainly the 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 problems I had with Missouri in this game is obviously the turnovers at the end of the game. There was a Mookie Cooper fumble, and then there was, well, Bazelak, and we'll get to this, but Bazelak had two really bad interceptions, and one of them was at the end of the game. But another thing was penalties. Uh, Missouri had eight penalties for 90 yards. South Carolina somehow only had five penalties for 35 yards in this game, which is just an absolute joke. And we got while, while I'm just going off yeah. about everything yeah. in the world uh-huh. th- today, uh my god the refs were horrible in this game just absolutely horrible yeah now um let me defend the south carolina fans barely (laughs) they the refs were bad for both teams like the whole game both ways the whole time they were bad however there were no calls against south carolina that took away uh turnovers no there were two calls against missouri that erased interceptions that were just, just phantom calls nonsense yeah like <laughs> literally nonsense like they barely i think uh, one of them was on uh, caleb evans for yeah. sure like a holding on a defense kind of thing where he ended up getting an interception did ba- i mean did not even touch the guy right just ridiculous man i, I can't even remember the details on the second one that was the most i think it was a chris one. abrams drain yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. he made the interception i right. can't remember exactly what the penalty was yeah. but just two huge turnovers that were completely negated by horrible calls and uh the south carolina offensive line was holding the entire game like every game every play yeah and obviously right in front of their faces yeah you can't i i understand the argument that like the refs honestly are gonna like get desensitized to it a little bit and you have to set some kind of precedent you have to they got called for a few holds but not enough and uh the the refs were just kind of bungling things back and forth the whole game it was a struggle I, I feel like i'm not even really one to like complain about the refs like i understand it's, it's we, we it's say that every time we complain about the it's refs. a thankless job it's tough <laughs> yes. like i don't envy their job at all and all they do is just get complained about but this was truly a horrible performance from from yeah. those refs it was a struggle yeah um where, where did you have another place to go after that tangent uh i've got a few things yeah go, go right ahead okay so I'm out of breath over here um, <laughs> i want to shout out right before halftime the like hurry up field goal play which great job by the special teams to like be ready and execute that but um tell me what you think about this it's kind of a hot take they should have handed the ball off to tyler Beatty, the the play before the field goal they had enough time like the, the clock was stopped let's we're going to drop a play here if it doesn't work you you're going to get destroyed but they were ready they, the field they, goal unit was ready. Yeah, the coaching staff was not planning on the clock running after that play, you know? Right. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go with you here because the play that they did call, if they were going to throw the ball, it needed to be in the end zone. Right. It's either a touchdown or a drop. Right. That's what, the, the, that's what they were planning on. Because if you catch it, it's a touchdown. If you drop it, the, the clock stops. Right. You got all the time in the but world for But for one reason, goal. yeah, they didn't – they were like – we're not going to hand this ball off because the the clock, clock keeps keep running. running. Yes. Well, then why did you throw a lateral pass yes, exactly. where if he doesn't get in, it keeps right. running? And the defense is probably thinking they have to throw the ball here. They're not going to want to take the chance that the clock keeps running. 
I think Tyler Beatty would have walked in for a touchdown. Obviously, hindsight and everything. Probably. But, um, and I would have, before the play was snapped, I was like, I was thinking like, they have enough time to, I think, run the ball if they practice being ready for a last second field goal. And yeah. they got the kickoff yeah. with like four seconds yeah, left on had, the clock. they had enough time. It was... Um, it was hectic. Yes. And it, they did a good job getting points the way they did when they got the ball, um, you know, with a minute and a half left or whatever. One by three. Yeah. So uh, overall good execution there, but I just wanted to nitpick a little bit on that. Uh, I, I thought it, was a, it would have been a walk-in touchdown if they would have handed the ball off right there. Um, but the only reason they were in that position in the first place was because that was the drive where Boo Smith, like, turned a end around, um, you know, touch pass into like a punt return and was just making guys myth miss and ran like laterally the entire width of the field and, you know, got like 40 yards. I kind of feel like Boo Smith should play more. seems like he doesn't play a lot of snaps, but when he does, he's pretty impactful. He's averaging 38 yards per catch on wow. his eight catches this year. Eight catches. Yeah. Wow. Seems like he should have a lot more than that it kind of i feel like you could make that argument with really any of the mizzou receivers they should just be throwing the ball downfield more but yeah they don't yeah well um do you want to talk about the quarterback situation or do you want to talk about tyler Beatty? let's get the bat out of the way first okay so do it around here all right um so you mentioned the wide receivers and you Okay, I'm like, uh, games are running together for me. Was Did this happen in this game? They threw the ball to Kiki Chisholm, and then he like, was considered – he had the option yeah. to throw it again, but he ended up just running. I think so. It was good, smart he, play he by him. He looked athletic. Yeah. And uh, I think you tweeted uh, – I can't remember if you tweeted or it was in the Discord. You said Kiki Chisholm needs to be touching the ball more. Yeah. And like you said, that's true of pretty much every Missouri Tiger wide receiver. Now, when you have Tyler Beatty, he's going to get uh, an insane amount of touches. But – What's making it seem worse is the fact that we don't get the receivers the ball down the field. Now, we had one exception, basically, in this game, and that was a 60-yard touchdown pass to Mookie Cooper. That Wide was, open. Yeah. He was had beat the defense by, like, three yards. Yeah. And uh, Connor Bazelak made an excellent play. He yeah. made a great throw, and he had a guy in his face. He yep. got hit pretty hard on that play and just stuck in there and made a great throw. And that, that would have been an easy ball to underthrow. Um, basically, you want to – the last thing you want to do there is underthrow it because, you, you know, he, Mookie had room in front of him, and you know he's fast enough. If you put some air under it, he could go get it. But, uh, yeah, really good play. So And awesome to see Mookie Cooper get a touchdown Yeah, um, that doesn't get – uh, called back mm -hmm. and uh see him actually making a play where he looks like a legitimate division one wide receiver making yeah. a play down the field yeah i think uh i think you had a stat that's going to go along with this a little bit but that was a great play like we mentioned unfortunately that was a third of Bazelak's entire yardage for the for the whole game was on that play it was a 60 yard touchdown play and his, his total yardage was 180 yards yeah well kyle i'll do you one better yeah just uh, one up me a little bit why don't you um we mentioned the touch pass to Boo Smith. Yeah, those were um, passing yards. So, Connor Bazelak, uh, his stats for the game, 15 for 23 passing for 180 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. 107 of the 180 yards came on two plays. So, take away those two plays. He's 15 of 21 passing. So, 21 passing attempts 
for 73 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Drop the mic. I mean, that that is so bad. That's that's averaging what? I mean, basically three yards a pass. That's like double that would be like, mm, that's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's very clear that outside of just a couple big plays, they are overly conservative. They don't throw the ball down the field at all. Uh, they're scared to make mistakes, and then they and then he makes mistakes anyway, yeah. and he throws just really, really, really bad interceptions that just make no sense. Where he throws it all the way across the field, and he just lofts it into this beautiful touch pass. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised on that one uh, where Tyler Beatty was the intended receiver. I'm surprised Tyler Beatty didn't like start getting back on defense <laughs> when he saw the ball in the air because that was. There was so much time. There was so time. much time for him to be like, well, this is not going to get to me, so yes. I might as well start making plans to make a tackle. get back on defense. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one, late in the game, like Missouri was moving the ball. Tyler Beatty was moving the ball, I should say. <laughs> and all you need to do is run out the clock. Like Missouri will play insanely conservative and like act like they want to start running out the clock in with like 12 minutes left in the third quarter and then when they need to just protect the ball at all costs now this wasn't like an insanely aggressive play they weren't like bombing it down the field it was like a you know five yard intended pass but it just shouldn't have been thrown in that situation you just take the sack play field position and if south carolina is going to score which they've been struggling to do make them march the entire length of the field and to turn the ball over like that and give South Carolina such a short field at such a crucial point in the game where you have the opportunity to put it away if you score or at the very least make it really hard for South Carolina to come back. And now same, I mean, I expect mistakes like that from a freshman wide receiver who doesn't touch the ball very much. Mookie Cooper put the ball on the ground, same situation. Um, gave south carolina short field yeah whatever we can live with that it's a completely different play when it's your you know veteran quarterback quarterback who should just know better yeah like should have the kind of game awareness the game sense to know i can't i just cannot throw an interception right here and the worst thing is this is not the first time not the second time not the third time that that's happened this season yeah not always in such a crucial like moment in a game that you can win but just like yep. head scratchingly bad throws yep um so brady cook came in at the end of this game um coach said after the game that i mean it was just like that last drive mm-hmm. they were basically just gonna be running the ball that and, and that's what he said was he came in to because he was a running threat and he didn't like how Bazelak was moving. They wanted, probably weren't going to throw. Wanted the quarterback run threat. Yeah, exactly. So are you buying that that's all it was? Or do you feel like Connor was kind of benched? I think he was benched. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And and coach almost let it slip too. He like said, oh, and that last interception. Yeah, he doesn't he, seem he like as confident He said anymore. something like that. And I was like, well, which is it? Yeah. Like, he he acted like oh it was a little bit of both and like well that doesn't really make sense like are you telling me you 
were thinking about maybe putting Brady Cook in to close out the game, and then when the interception happened, you're like, okay, now I'm definitely going to do it. That doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, but either way, it does seem like Bazelak's confidence has just taken a hit this season. Yeah. A lot of weird things have happened, some of it his fault, and his confidence has got to be pretty low right now. And um, I don't know. I mean, who, who are you marching out there against Florida on Saturday? Well, okay, so this is like a week for me to uh, take back everything I said last week, apparently, basketball and football. I said uh, for the South Carolina game, give me uh, 80 to 90% Connor Bazelak over Cook or Megan. Um, uh, give me Brady Cook. That's what I want to see. Um, I thought that, yeah, give me Brady Cook and let him run around a little bit. Let him try to make a play down the field. I don't care. Play, play the same conservative, you know, quarterback draw option game that you play that game that you want to play um don't if you don't want to take shots down the field we already aren't really doing that so that's fine let brady cook i would say that yeah i i, I think i agree with you i uh i don't know i mean are we are we ready to, to, to talk about Flor- the florida game Let's, I don't want to get too far let's, into Let's it. talk about Tyler Beatty first. Um, and the last thing I want to say on the quarterback situation is it, I can deal with an insanely conservative passing attack. I can deal with 15 for 23 for 180 yards and zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. Like, okay, let's roll that out. You know, that's fine. We're, he's not going to lose us the game. The what I can't deal with is that conservative of a passing attack that leads to two interceptions, one of which was like emergency. Yeah. This is bad situation. Tyler Beatty though. Have I ever maybe mentioned, I kind of love Tyler Beatty. Um, ever mentioned that for people that have listened to more than one episode of the podcast, maybe you remember a meme of five Nick Boltons. (laughs) So I've got a question for you, Kyle. Would you rather have five Nick Boltons or five Tyler Beatties? Five Nick Boltons on defense, five Tyler Beatties on offense. I don't know. I guess five Nick Boltons because it seems like he could play more positions probably than, I don't know. Give me all of them. (laughs) Give me 11 of both. Um, Tyler Beatty playing triple option with two of himself. And That'd be tough to and stop. himself blocking for himself. No, two of him at wide receiver. Okay, you have a normal offensive line. Okay, well then that's pretty good. And then you could have like a imagine an entire like a, defensive a four, line of Nick Bolton's. Right, a four-three defense with two Nick Boltons on the end and three Nick Bolton um, linebackers. Those would both be pretty good situations. Yeah, you're probably right. I'll take either one. Uh, Tyler Beatty, thirty-four carries, two hundred eight yards, one touchdown five receptions for 22 yards he's right up there statistically with all the other best running backs in the country this year if um if missouri was having like an all-time good mizzou season he would legitimately be in all the award conversations like legitimately probably a heisman candidate yeah like which is just insane to think about right but that's that's how good a season has been and right because mizzou is bad he will never be in those conversations but 
he's had he is a finalist for the uh doke walker running back award Mm -hmm. um i think probably the michigan state uh, running back will will take that home they're good and he's incredible he's like one of the only running backs with better stats than Beatty. but uh Beatty's ability to get it done in the passing game too just incredible so well-rounded 39 touches I've, <laughs> I remember at the beginning of the season, we were saying, I mean, Beatty's been efficient his whole career. I mean, even his freshman year, that's kind of when the meme of me saying, like, I love Tyler Beatty yeah. started. I mean, he started four years ago yeah. because I've always felt like he's such a special talent. He's unique and he's small, but he has the ability to shed tackles and he's just always been efficient at all four seasons at Matt Mizzou, and especially last year when he came in and was kind of a change of pace back behind Larry Roundtree. Like, he just seemed like he was always doing something dynamic and um, I really felt like he had the ability to uh, take a a big step this year and obviously he did that but I don't think anybody saw what he's done and you know literally being a a bell cow running back with 30 plus touches in a game four games with over 200 yards rushing it's just insane yeah yeah um it's almost unfortunate that he and Larry Roundtree overlapped so yeah. much of their time at Missouri, like two really all-time great Mizzou running backs that uh, I love them both had to share the backfield. But <laughs> yeah, I uh, also shout out Larry Roundtree for scoring his first NFL touchdown this yeah. past week. Yeah, had a nice celebration. Absolutely in the, in the end zone. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we'll move on to Florida. So Mizzou is now five and five, two and four in SEC play. Um, need one more win to get to a bowl game. Kind of crazy that that's the same record as Florida. It seems like yeah. Florida's had a pretty good year. They only lost to Alabama by two points. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of been a tale of two seasons for Florida. Um, so Missouri plays Florida, and then they play Arkansas. Got to win one of those to go to a bowl. And Arkansas, more beatable than they looked previously or earlier in the season. Florida looks immensely more beatable than any point earlier in the season yeah um they are also five and five uh two and five in sec play this is their last conference game they just played florida state to end the season um and they had a bit of a scare last week against fcs samford they were losing at halftime right they were losing at halftime they were losing at one point in the first half 42 to 21 wow fcs team yeah uh the final score was Florida did win. The final score was 70 to 52. <laughs> Florida gave up 52 points to an FCS opponent. Hope you bet the over. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, uh, Florida's offense was able to figure it out. And, uh, like, I mean, this is an FCS team we're talking about. So, yeah. big plays. Yeah. Trump they were plays. able to out athlete them and just kind of throw the ball around and run past uh, Sanford's defense. But, um, this is not the first time that Florida's defense has looked sketchy, if not terrible, yeah, in the last Samford month. was doing that to them also. That's the thing, is they were scoring on huge explosive yeah. plays all game, too, for the most part. Um, F- Florida gave up 40 points to South Carolina in a loss, uh, 34 to Georgia, and 49 to LSU, uh, three consecutive losses before the Samford game. So their defense has not been hot. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they've been really bad, but I mean, I would take it a step further and say they've just kind of given up almost. It certainly looked like that, at least in the first half of Sanford. And I mean, they got blown up by South Carolina. They, they, they kind of threw in the towel in that game too. Yeah. You just, there's too much talent on that team right. um, for them to lose like that and not give up a little bit. 
So, and I was watching a little bit of the Sanford game. I mean, it was just busted coverages. Oh, I mean, yeah. they weren't making good tackles. They just they were not in it mentally. Seems like a good opportunity to uh, let a uh, let Brady Cook. Oh man, to me that would be if if they brought that that same defense that showed up for Sanford to Mizzou on Saturday. It, man, that would be fun. Yeah, this is a little violent, but can you imagine getting Dan Mullen fired? Oh man, I'm sorry. That is a it's really nice. That's a really nice thought. Uh, speaking of Dan Mullen and his prospects, uh, his coaching prospects. Um, it seems insane to like be thinking about his seat being hot because you know it's you know he's been good he's been a very good coach for a long time and he has ties to florida so they're probably not going to move on from him but i want to let you know when um luther burden committed to the missouri tigers that that uh, that is the thing that happened keep in mind everyone don't forget that um that allowed them to jump florida in the (laughs) recruiting rankings in the sec so Missouri jumped to fifth. Florida was then sixth. As we speak today, Florida is ninth in the SEC in recruiting rankings for this upcoming class. And we know we've talked about it already on the show. Dan Mullen was asked about recruiting, and he said he doesn't really want to talk about it during the season. Everything's been downhill since that. L- Luther Burden got him fired. I'll just, I'll just say it. I mean, basically. <laughs> he when, caused the collapse of Dan Mullen at Florida. When Missouri jumps you in the recruiting rankings, it's over. <laughs> something's wrong yes so yeah i mean i i kind of like the idea i mean florida is not going to put up with you know winning five six seven games year after year so they would get rid of mullen eventually anyway um so if missouri just wants to go and blow out florida and put up another you know what what's south carolina put up 40 let's go put up 40 I definitely think they're Mizzou's capable of that if Florida's defensive struggles continue. But I was a little side note. I was reading something on Twitter uh, last night where I think like a Florida rivals uh, writer or something was was just talking about Tyler Beatty and his season so far and um, the challenge that he presented in in this upcoming weekend. And I just was getting a kick out of all the Florida fans responding like just saying things like "We are gonna die." Like he is gonna he's gonna run for. 400 yards against us and Love i just it. kind of had this like human moment where i was like we're really all the same all of the, <laughs> like all these fan bases we're all the same yes like we all say the same stuff we think the same way when things go a little bit south yes and it was just was just kind of it just made me smile a little bit like man i've i've heard all of you know i've seen mizzou fans say all of these things that's perfect pretty recently so yeah it was it was pretty great yeah and they're probably right yeah well we might be in for a shootout um, Florida's offense is pretty good. I mean, obviously, Dan Mullen known for his offensive prowess. Um, Florida's offense put up, uh, they are putting up this season almost 500 yards per game. Um, they rush for 227 yards per game. And a lot of that comes from Emory Jones, their quarterback. I think that's what's the most scary about this game is the challenge that their offense presents and the way that it's a running quarterback. And Missouri has... That is, I mean, Missouri's defense has been terrible in every way, uh, really, up until last week. But the running quarterback, the teams that have a quarterback that's capable of doing that, that's been a disaster. Yeah. So one of the one of Missouri's um, saving graces against South Carolina was the bad offensive line play, and a really elite mobile quarterback 
kind of erases bad offensive line play to an extent. So, and Florida's offensive line is not as bad as South Carolina's. Um, they have better athletes than South Carolina on offense. And Emory Jones is electric in the open field. And they just have a lot of really fast guys. And he can throw it. I mean, he's not just a runner. Um, he has two, uh, 2,100 yards passing and 600 yards rushing this season. And he, I think he is the least likely player on Florida's roster to give up on the season. Um, he has been kind of playing with a chip on his shoulder all season long. And once he still, I think, has the mindset of wanting to prove that he is a legitimate SEC quarterback. Um, so I think he's going to show up to play no matter what. I think he is the type of player that looks for a challenge. And um, I think he wants to make Dan Mullen's offense work. And so, yeah, I, I think we might see a little bit of a shootout. I think you're, I think you're probably right. Both teams trying to be bowl eligible. Yeah. And it's, preseason, I wouldn't have thought that Florida – I wouldn't have thought that the Florida game was an opportunity to become bowl eligible. I would definitely wouldn't have thought that it was the opportunity above Arkansas. Right. So what do you think? What do you think score wise? What do you think uh, prediction for this game? Um, I've got, I've got a score written down. I don't want to, I'll let you go first. I don't want to affect what you're thinking with my score prediction. Uh, I'm going to say this is a high scoring game. I think, Mizzou wins a close one. I think they win by a field goal, 45-42. Okay. I've got it a little lower scoring, um, but very close, and I do have Missouri winning a close one. I've got it 33-31, to 31, Missouri. So I'm thinking probably both teams will turn the ball over a little bit and limit the uh, scoring because of that maybe but yeah i mean it's kind of hard to expect that florida just comes out as bad as they've been the last couple of weeks with as much talent as they have and i do think dan mullen is is a good coach he's fighting for his life and he's going to want to th- get things reversed obviously i kind of feel like florida could play a little bit better game than they've had the last couple of weeks but maybe they just continue to be terrible i don't know <laughs> I wouldn't if, mind if the they, downward spiral if continuing. They, oh man, if they play the the same game they played against Stanford, it's it really could get ugly for them. And but I, I doubt that they will will play that bad. Let's go get bowl eligible. Let's jump ahead of Florida in the SEC East standings. There's really not. There was a point in the season where I was just thinking, I don't know. There's any way we could be bowl eligible. I and agree. I it seems almost likely even at this point yeah. to to grab one of the last two. Well, let's. Uh, we talked about the quarterback situation though, but that's going to be a big factor in how Missouri competes against Florida in this game. I mean, I don't know that we, I, we still don't know if we have a, an answer at quarterback. I I don't know that we do for sure. Uh, the injury report came out just a few hours ago and Connor Bazelak was listed as probable. So I, uh, I just kind of feel like he starts and, I don't know if he'll stay in there or not, but I feel like we may see some we may see some Brady Cook, but I I just get the feeling Connor Bay's like will start, and we'll we'll go from there and see how it goes. It just feels like against this Florida team who's not struggling on offense, 
we need to swing for the fences offensively. Yeah. yeah. It feels like we can't fall behind in this game because Florida's going to score. Right. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, I would I would rather see Brady Cook, but um Missouri can still win this game with Connor Bays like a quarterback absolutely. Um if he can limit mistakes. Big if. Yeah. Yeah. Give the ball to Tyler Beatty a lot. We'll be okay. Man. And they've been doing a good job of there's been some good play calling, some creative plays getting the ball to uh Dominic Lovett um where he can make a play. Mookie Cooper. I don't know. I think Smith. Yeah, yeah. There's enough there offensively to make it happen if we could just be a little bit more dynamic down the field with uh Dove and Chisholm. Yeah. Then I think we'd really have something but may not be till Sam Horn gets here. We're both predicting wins. We'll see yep. what happens. Um we will move on to SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. It's I'm just going to warn everybody it's a little bit of a boring week. Yes. There's some teams basically taking a week off playing FCS opponents. Um, and even the ones that even a couple of them that aren't uh, are projected to be blowouts. Uh, one of the conference games, I think Vanderbilt is projected to lose by like 30. Uh, the Missouri-Florida game was probably the most appealing betting line in the whole SEC slate. So we might all just be ending up uh, picking the favorites, but let's at least get a recap of last week and see what the standings are. Alrighty. Last week, we, none of us, yet again, outclassed the guest pickers. Daddy JD, keeping it rolling. He's not allowed to pick me. Not, n- no more. <laughs> Never again. Not no more. Not even, not even next year. <laughs> All right. So, last week, KM, you scored four, Kyle three, I scored five, and Daddy JD scored six. Jeez. Classic. Classic. So that brings the season total. Kyle and I are tied at 50. Cameron has 53, and the guest pickers have 60. With how many weeks to go? <laughs> I, think I, don't know. I think it's Probably over. Probably not enough. Not very many. Um, I looked at the slate. I can tell you right off the top of my head. I'm picking all favorites. Uh, yeah, we're, I don't think there's any upsets that are worth picking. What, what? Maybe South Carolina Auburn is the closest like line. Yeah. Of the of South the Carolina is at home. Sorry, I'm I'm stealing your thunder, producer Cameron, but I think we're gonna just all be picking the same teams. New Mexico State at Kentucky. Kentucky's a 36-point favorite. Why are we even doing this? Kentucky. Go, just <laughs> you go through the slate. Just Yeah, do it all together, and we'll tell you if we have anything other than favorites. Okay. Arkansas, 21. Arkansas at number two, Alabama. Alabama's a 20 and a half point favorite. Okay. Okay, <laughs> everyone's on Alabama. All right. Uh, Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn's a seven and a half point favorite. Anybody? No, thanks. No? All right. Uh, Vandy at Ole Miss. Number 12, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 36-and-a-half-point favorite. No? Okay. Uh, Southern Alabama at Tennessee. Tennessee's a 28-point favorite. No? All right. Uh, (laughs) University of Louisiana Monroe at LSU. LSU's a 29-point favorite. No? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, here we go. Last one. Uh, Nebraska at number 15, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a nine-point favorite. Give me Nebraska. 
Oh, oh. <laughs> the first upset. All right. I'll, I'll take Wisconsin. I'll take Wisconsin. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's picking uh, picking the upset in the Mizzou game, though. That is true. Uh, I was a little surprised at this line. Florida is like a they start opened as a ten point favorite, and I think it's now eight and a half point favorite, which still seems like a little bit large to me. It seems yeah. like it should be a little closer. Yeah, I don't know. But Missouri was like zero and eight to start the year against the spread or something. True. So they haven't really proved much. Yeah. And Vegas is just trying to get your money, so they gotta, you know, they're not always gonna make it right. Make perfect sense. That's, that's true. But they may lose some money on this one. They may be off. Is that it for this week? Uh, that was a lot, but I think that's it. I think we balanced the negativity and the positivity. I, I kind of got sucked in, back into negativity talking about quarterback, but it hasn't been great. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, and Tim Keens. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Thank you, gentlemen. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week after a win.